Movies are personal. They mean different things to different people. That's why we want your reasons, your facts, your emotions. Doesn't matter if your movie won all the awards or none of the awards. We want your points. Welcome to Prove Your Movie. Welcome to Prove Your Movie. Today is our first episode. We have our first guest here, Brandon Ferguson, ready to prove his movie. Yes, and Brandon, what is the movie you are here to prove? I'm here to prove No Country for Old Men. Okay. From the Coen Brothers. Alrighty. Sounds good. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, without further ado, give us your opening argument. Gotcha. So, um, came out in 2007, uh... Against a couple really good movies, uh, mm-hmm. cleaned up at the Oscars. Pretty mm-hmm. pretty good film overall. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it is a modern Western mm-hmm. um, set in around 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, and a gentleman played by Josh Brolin, Llewellyn Moss, mm-hmm. stumbles upon uh, a big briefcase full of money mm-hmm. out uh, in the middle of nowhere yeah. in the midst of a drug deal gone seemingly very wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one does when they find big briefcases of money at drug deals, <laughs> <laughs> someone else came looking for that money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be Anton Chigurh, played mm-hmm. by Javier Bardem. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chigurh is intro- introduced, um, at the beginning of the film as well, mm-hmm. um, being pulled over or being pulled over and then arrested by a police officer mm-hmm. whom he very quickly murders in a vicious manner. Mm-hmm. with the handcuffs he was wearing quite flexible anton sugar yeah um, um and that really kind of shows us his pure evil from the moment he gets on mm-hmm. screen um and he goes really pulls out all the stops mm-hmm. chasing down uh llewellyn moss to recover this money um mm-hmm. in the middle we're going to introduce to the the sheriff and deputy that are um presiding over this case and trying to figure out what's going on. The sheriff played by Tommy Lee Jones um, kind of shifts to the, being the protagonist of the film mm-hmm. um, as he is the, the maybe the old man that there is no country for. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you're, if you're watching the film, you start yeah. to get that gist. Um, but anyway, you're chasing um, Llewellyn through a couple different set pieces, one in this hotel mm-hmm. um, near the Mexican border, um, then another motel, um, mm-hmm. near the Mexican border again after he crosses and comes back um, and ultimately ends in just a pretty bad scenario for all folks involved. Yeah. Not at all a happy movie, um, yeah. but one I think is, is very well done. I think it's the, I think it's a, one of the best versions of a Western. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best versions of a like dramatic thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's one of the best versions of a Coen Brothers movie. Mm. Um, so anytime you're making a, a, a list like the one where we're working on proving today mm-hmm. having a film by the coen brothers i, I, mm. I think is, is probably good form based on their mm-hmm. body of work um yeah. and this is what i would say is their their best film um yeah it's my very quick okay yeah gotcha proof. Alrighty. i don't want to put it all out there yeah yeah you know, to start yeah yeah we'll probe and get there we'll have yeah. a conversation about it yeah <laughs> do you have any questions right off the bat anthony what are you thinking yeah, I have so many questions. First, I know that this is based on a book. Did you ever read the novel? I have not read the novel, no. It's a Cormac McCarthy novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm not, I've heard that it, it does the novel justice, but I am not familiar enough with the novel to speak on it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. 
I will say the movie struck me a bit odd because Tommy Lee Jones, as you said, is the protagonist. He wasn't in the movie for a lot of it. Right. So, and, and we only see them really investigating a few times. Um, we do see them at the end. Um, but w- could one also make the argument that Llewellyn is our main protagonist? Absolutely. And yeah. that the sheriff is kind of our secondary. Absolutely. I think Tommy Lee Jones, for me, really um, exemplifies what I feel to be the theme of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that um, the idea of, of age and Lou Allen does this as well, but the kind of age and death and mortality um, and that that can come mm-hmm. and get you whenever yeah. um, yeah. through the randomness of uh, circumstances, mm-hmm. um, even by the flip of a coin, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, things like that. So I think that um, Tommy Lee Jones and a lot of his reflections and dialogue throughout about kind of juggling with mm-hmm. not really understanding the world in which he lives anymore. Yeah. Um, as a, you know, a guy who's grew, grown up to a point to where at, at the end of the movie, as he's wrapping up the ending says that he's, you know, 20, 20 years older than his father ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he's talking about a dream with, of his father, and I think that spending those extra 20 some years and whoever knows how much longer after he's retired, um, mm-hmm. feeling that disconnect with everyone mm-hmm. around you is something that I think is universal. And while mm-hmm. this is set against, you know, <laughs> slaughter and 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 yeah. uh, violence. Um, I don't. I think that it speaks to that idea mm-hmm. um, that most folks, I think, can relate to. Even yeah. someone that, that that's thirty and works, you know, with folks that are a lot younger than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already starting to be like, what's going on? Yeah. So it's, yeah. So if if Tommy Lee Jones represents the the passage of time that everyone faces. Um, because I feel like you could put the the main gist of this film, the main plot, is so universal. Um, I feel like you could kind of plop it anywhere, mm-hmm. in any time and place, it would mm-hmm. work. Um, what would you say Anton Chigurh represents as our main antagonist? To me, death. I, I mm. almost. I, I feel that you could argue that he's playing death like like okay he's he could be swapped out for the grim reaper of sorts right he's mm. there's not really a character development you don't know anton as a person right, right. he's slowly moving about the picture mm-hmm. looming over several individuals lives and ultimately mm-hmm. um the being the individual that um decides their their fate in yeah. this in this picture mm-hmm. um another huge but when you talked about the the time, and I think that's a huge strength of the film as well, mm. that it, it feels a bit timeless. The only way I you know that it's 1980 is during the gas station coin flip scene, which I'm sure we will talk more depth about because it's at least... Oh, I, yeah, I did the math the there, favorite. too. I was like, oh, mm. yeah, it's 1980. So yeah. he talks about the coin being from 1958 and said it's taken mm. 22 years to get yep. to where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the only way you know. Yeah. Um, that it's 1980, and aside from some of maybe the side plot with whatever organization he's working for, mm-hmm. um, when you're starting to see folks in maybe more modern buildings and things like that, and some um, some scenes later in the film, mm-hmm. um, do you really even tell that it, it could be, you know, mm-hmm. over really several decades that this film yeah. could be taking place? Um, yeah. And it still feels right in any of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've asked a few questions. What do you have for Brandon Anthony? 
I, one question I was going to ask, you answered, and it was straight up, is Anton Chigurh the Grim Reaper? <laughs> I, I, I think so. Um, honestly, I think that, and almost someone who's, he's definitely, I don't think anyone's going to relate to him and, and suggest that he's not evil, right? Um, but yeah. at the same time, he's almost delving out punishment in a way, too. Um, if you look at, at Llewellyn, um, while he has aspects that are, are very admirable, right? He, mm-hmm. he wakes up at 2 3 a.m., it seems, to, to drive a jug of water out to an individual he found in that mess that was still alive and right. after water. He couldn't sleep, so he gets up to do that and ultimately gets himself in the thick of mm-hmm. th- this whole mess. Um, but he, I think Llewellyn exemplifies greed um, mm. and pride. Um, in this film a lot. Greed, obviously, the finding the money and wanting to take it and mm-hmm. using it to change um, their mm-hmm. life and, and letting that compromise right. um, his safety, his family's safety, um, mm-hmm. and everything else. And also pride from the, the fact that he has given it out at the end, not for himself, or at least mm-hmm. for his wife, yeah. um, and doesn't take it um, out of pride that he can, can save himself. Mm-hmm. And it uh, the film almost works as if you know Sugar and all of his evilness is kind of um, keeping things right in a way, or keeping mm. them like you know delving out punishment, yeah, um, mm-hmm. for for wrongs, if mm-hmm. you will. Woody Woody Harrelson's character kind of stood out to me because he seemed so out of place for me in the film. Yeah, he seemed to just kind of show up as almost kind of like a, and maybe this is just his role. Is he seemed almost to be like a like a, a harbinger. Of Anton, of like, oh, you saw Anton? I'm surprised you're here. Yeah. And the next time he sees Anton, he's dead. Yeah. And he's not here in the sense that you mean, as Anton would say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, oh, the the dialogue in this film was spot on. Yeah, it's it's oh my god, it's outstanding. I um, while watching it, took notes of of quotes mm-hmm. and. Ran out of space um, <laughs> very quickly, specifically around Tommy Lee's character. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the little quick back and forth he would have with his deputy and um, mm-hmm. folks. Just I, I thought it was uh, hilarious and just outstanding dialogue um, and even simple quotes and stuff to add a little bit of of comic relief because otherwise mm-hmm. I'm not sure you could make it through the film. No. Um, but when like Lou Ellen's going to to get tent poles, right? Um, he asks for tent poles, and the guy's telling him you can order them, and he just says, never mind, I'll take a tent. And he says, what kind? The kind with the most poles. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that helps kind of ease mm-hmm. some of the tension before mm-hmm. Shigur shows up and starts making things yes. very hard to, to deal with. Yeah. So I, I, had, I had to bring up the, the scene when Llewellyn goes into the, um, the I guess, cowboy outfitters, the men's, the men's wear shop. The second time wearing just the boots and the, the robe and undershirt and underwear. And he's like, no, he will come in here, uh, you know, without any clothes on. He's like, nope. And he's, <laughs> he's, like, almost, there. Yeah. he's like, nope. <laughs> cool. Yeah. This is pretty odd. Oh. What about, so if we're talking about dialogue, what about that gas station scene? Because I remember just being like, oh my gosh, I don't think this gas station tenant is going to make it out of here. 
Yeah. I'm like thinking, is the gas station attendant catching on what this guy, what Javier Bardem's character Anton is suddenly putting out there? And oh my gosh, yeah. So I think the Coen brothers do this well in a lot of their films of mm-hmm. picking locations and, and types of people that are these very like down home kind like all shucks individuals yeah um and throughout this whole process i think the guy is catching on but he's still just like being so kind yeah and it's like well sir i don't i'm not sure you know i don't know i don't know about that <laughs> and, you know he's just answering his questions mm-hmm. and and you know he's seeing he's getting nervous but he's still his kindness is trumping his his nerves or yeah. his, his fear and it's it's just so odd um also, I would have to imagine, I, I don't remember, um, mm-hmm. you know, this is 12 years ago from an Oscar standpoint, mm-hmm. but if that scene is not, you know, Javier Bardem's reel for supporting actor, I, I would be shocked, right? That has mm-hmm. to be the, the uh, uh, something, a, a minute or, you know, 30 mm-hmm. seconds from that scene, it has to be something that they, mm-hmm. they would, that's the, I think that's the scene I would pick to show someone if I'm mm-hmm. like, I need you to watch this movie and they're like, yeah. convince me in like two minutes and I'm just mm-hmm. here, just watch. It, mm-hmm. it reminded me a lot of, Another film on our list, actually, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, this whole movie seemed... I just kept getting... I feel like the Coen brothers and the West, and Wes Anderson are very similar in that a lot of their films... And I've only seen one of the Coen brothers' films before this. I had seen Hail Caesar, which is a much okay. far departure from this. Yeah. Um, of just a straight-up just like comedy mystery... Uh, movie, but um, the Coen Brothers and Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson seem to make almost like clockwork films, like films, and the dialogue is like always on point. And there's one particular scene of the Grand Budapest Hotel where um, the hitman for the rich fam- for the the Degas family goes to the sister of the butler and is like, "Hey, have you seen your brother?" He's like, she's like, no. He's like, no, sir. And she's like, no, sir. And like going back and forth, like tell him it's time to come home. I was like, oh, okay. Like tell him, you know, I can't remember what the guy's name is now. You know, tell him he sent him or like something like that. And so like that whole back and forth reminded me so much of that, um, especially the part. And this is where I really got sucked into the conversation in the gas station um, of, you know, what time do you go to bed? Oh, I don't know. What time do you go to bed? And just keep repeating yeah. that question over and over. I was getting, I was like gripping my chair, just like, yeah, like when's oh, it gonna oh happen? Oh my god! Let's, yeah, let's, it was so yeah. tense. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so in that scene, I, I imagine that clerk did not continue on. Um, yeah. But they don't show us that explicitly. I don't believe, or do they? I don't remember that. I thought one. he survived because think, he got the. You get the coin toss. You get the coin toss, yeah. right? Okay. There's a couple other aspects where, like, they've built his evilness so much mm-hmm. um, and the violence so much that then I think larger acts of violence happen that they don't even need to, to yeah. show you, right? Yeah. Um, specifically the end of, of Llewellyn. Yeah. Um, and then the very end of the, the film with Llewellyn's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to have all that violence build up, to then not actually seeing the the violence occur between mm-hmm. those those two characters mm-hmm. i feel like was an, an interesting way to um to do it but i think mm-hmm. it kept you in the again the, the meaning the theme yeah. um the crux of the film mm-hmm. um and that's also where i think it swung 
the back half really swung to mm-hmm. Tommy Lee Jones because mm-hmm. um, you kind of see Llewellyn's whatever happened at whatever happened in the motel, right? We right. we get something's getting ready to happen. Mm-hmm. We see some folks leaving as as Tommy Lee Jones is pulling up, and he we get to see kind of the aftermath, mm-hmm. um, and then see him deliver the perfect Tommy Lee Jones like head shake to yeah. Llewellyn's wife. <laughs> Yeah. To let her know that uh, he did not make it out of that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was so surprised that we didn't see a throwdown between between uh, Llewellyn and Anton. Mm-hmm. I, well, we got the the I, what I think. I think the the gas station is the greatest like bit of dialogue and interaction in the film. Mm-hmm. But that second motel pursuit, when he's got the lights off, he finds the tracker. Oh. He shoots the lockout. Yes. Um, they really play with the geography a little. He hops out the back and ends up cutting back through the front of the hotel and out the back. The, the, um, the Eagle Hotel, the, the yeah. nicer one. Yeah. 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 So the, the clerk is, um, like, it's, it's dead. Dead. Um, but it's another one that they don't show. They just show the milk um, mm-hmm. from the, the cat saucer. Yeah. And the, or the, the cat drinking milk next to pieces of its <laughs> owner. Um, yeah. And it's just all of that whole sequence of him chasing him through the street and him kind of mm-hmm. escaping to Mexico. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately ends up being that showdown. You surely expect one to end it out, but right. um, I, I'm by no means dissatisfied with the one that we got. Yeah. Right. Right. I guess I was just expecting it. Yeah. And even though, so Lou Allen tells Woody Harrelson's character that he's seen Anton, but you never really see Llewellyn see him. You just see him kind of getting shot at by that, I assume, that nail gun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, yeah, he has a, he ends up having a pistol and silencer at one point, too. I think he had another mm-hmm. gun with him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at most, he, he saw him enough to, to hit him in with the some shot a little bit. Yeah. But, like, they never come, like, face to face. And ultimately, don't, at, at the, the end, you know, I think mm-hmm. he's, taken down by extra members of this cartel. Because mm-hmm. um, I wonder... I keep going back to the gas station. Sorry, I don't want to... Yeah, wanna, yeah, yeah. I think he does survive. Because I remember Anton says, you know, keep the coin. Yeah. And he's like... Oh, yes. Like, what, so what should I do with it? Lucky. He's like, lucky coin. He's like, what should I do with it? He's like, well, don't put it in your pocket. Like, why not? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, then it just becomes another coin. So I have a, I, I, I noted during that that that's one bit where you see Sugar kind of be like charismatic. Like, he's like you won. He's you a got little, it. and he's a little quick. He's a little yeah. funny, like a little. Yeah. Like, and then you're like, oh, maybe is he like a person? Yeah, that's, that's like, the weird part because he's like, don't put it in your pocket. It's just another coin, which it is. And then walks out like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like that that worker's world is rocked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want to see a Clerks, No Country for Old Men crossover. With just him. <laughs> with just him. And his wife. Yeah. <laughs> There's a chance he moved right yeah. after that. Yeah. And he might not be a clerk anymore. No. He might have been like, we're going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think that the if we're running with like the whole kind of the death thing, I guess it would make sense that at the end of the film this horrible thing has happened, but you think like if you've ever had a loved, ever have a, them, if you've ever had a loved one pass or you've had a friend pass and like, something horrible has happened, typically you're not there for it unless it's like a terminal illness, something like that. 
Um, and like, it just happened and we weren't there, but we know something happened. So I'm wondering if that's kind of what the Coen brothers are trying to say is like, if Anton is the Grim Reaper slash death incarnate, you know, then maybe death can be so destructive, but yet so silent, which also works with him having a silencer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he moves through with such little, like, there's not really dynamics to his character, his mm-hmm. interaction with the folks at all. Um, almost in a Michael Myers kind of way, right? Of just like, mm-hmm. seems that everyone is running away from him. Mm-hmm. He's walking at his normal pace and is mm-hmm. somehow always behind them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, very, very machine like. Yeah. And, or that just looming. Yeah. That it's. Um, I think another big thing, like the coin flip sums this up. Um, so, so many other little things, though, is the just the idea of chance as well. Or that that the most medial of things or, you know, simple things you wouldn't even think about could lead you to, lead you to your, mm-hmm. um, your demise. Um, and he really starts to, like, they kind of put this on the nose a bit in that gas station scene that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think that's one of the the big, big themes that you, you see. And you see that with like Tommy Lee Jones's character as he starts to make some of his, his little quips and things like that, that, you know, that he kind of gets that idea of like, it's going to happen. I've seen danger in a a bunch of different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when he's leaving to go deal with this the first time, his wife begins to say, you know, be careful. He says, always am. Don't get hurt. Never do. Uh, Mm -hmm. Don't hurt anybody. He says, if you say so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of like all becomes second nature to him because mm-hmm. he think I, I feel like in his age, he's embodied that idea of like, um, especially at the end of the film, I think when mm-hmm. he st- speaks of his dream, he's coming to a real point of peace of saying that like, out of my control um, mm-hmm. and I'm going to live my life and, and not worry about it because mm-hmm. it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Right? Mm-hmm. Moving away from a narrative point of view, going more into like the filmmaking of the techniques of this film, um, something we had talked about very briefly, briefly before we um, uh, brought Anthony on, um, is the lack of music in this film. And uh, what can you say about that? Yeah, um, I think it's a very interesting and ultimately a choice that pays off, in my opinion, mm-hmm. a good amount. It really puts you in the tension with the characters and it adds to sugar's terror in a way that doesn't feel spoon-fed right there's not a no slight to any of these great scores or things like that but there's not there's not a jaws like you know Mm -hmm. like that's like cooking up he's just it's just there it makes it feel more real in a way Mm -hmm. um i think that it's it really lets the rest of the filmmaking kind of speak for itself it lets the dialogue Mm -hmm. sing if you will um, the cinematography mm-hmm. do its job. Great cinematography. Deacons mm-hmm. at it again. Um, mm-hmm. He's done several of their films. Mm-hmm. Um, glad Deacons finally won with Blade, Run- Blade Runner because he's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, uh, and this film looks outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and I remember getting to see it. I saw it in, in theaters when it came out. And was, that was my biggest takeaway the first time watching mm-hmm. it um, was just how good it looked. Um, but yeah, the music... There, there's no score of any kind. There's no soundtrack for this film. <laughs> like, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, we, I think we talked about the only the music that exists is the, the 
10 seconds of the mariachi band playing as Llewellyn is yeah <laughs> offers them a hundred dollars for a, a trip to a medic yeah medico as all he says in the hands of them yeah and they abruptly stop playing after they see his bloodied body what confused me is why they were there it yeah. seems so weird to me because like if I don't know Mexican culture much. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if mariachi bands are just like a roaming band of four guys who all happen to play certain city. instruments. Yeah, I don't know. And like, you just found this guy and like, my first thought was like, is there like a city ordinance that you just like can't loiter and so they'll like send out the mariachi band to go <laughs> yeah. like the, wake the guy up to get him to move? Because <laughs> I was so confused. Like, was he near like a party? Was he near? And we see that it's like, <laughs> Maybe like five thirty, six in the morning. Right, yeah. It's like sunrise, right? Yeah, and like there's just a mariachi band there, and I was so confused and taken aback. Um <laughs> Did you think there's any symbolism there with the mariachi band? I am I'm not there's nothing that I, I really caught on to. Okay. Um it could just be the you know, them doing something weird or funny or adding to mm-hmm. that is um right after the end of that second uh hotel mm-hmm. interaction yeah. um, that is quite tense and um, pretty heavy. And I think that it kind of breaks up really into the third act of the, the film. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a way to kind of calm things mm-hmm. down a little bit, maybe add some, some comic relief. We introduce Woody Harrelson seconds after that, I believe. Yep. Um, so that could, could be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so I have a question for you. Yes. So it's going, it's following up to your opening argument. You mentioned that you feel like this is the best Coen Brothers movie, one of the best westerns and thrillers as well. Is that right? I think it's a, a yeah, it's an example of what is a, a, the the best or a, you know top of the line coming out of those areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me tell me about that. Why is it top of the line? So I think it does. The Western genre, I, I think, speaking to that one, it doesn't really fit into one specific genre, mm-hmm. um, which is true of a lot of Coen Brothers movies. Um, for me, from a technical standpoint, this is peak Coen Brothers because it melds everything that they're able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say, real quick, are like the top cinematic keystones of a Coen Brothers film? I think their cinematography is always at the well. I think the the screenplay is at is number one for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they rarely make something they didn't write, mm-hmm. um, and when they do, we're not typically talking about it in in this manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the screenplay, specifically dialogue, is is like mm-hmm. tough top concern to them. Um, then cinematography, I think, is huge. Um, mm-hmm. Most of their movies look great um mm-hmm. even something like thinking of something like inside lewin davis or um fargo mm-hmm. um over even mm-hmm. um they do a, a really good job at, at creating the the worlds they're working with and and, mm-hmm. and showing them to us in like a beautiful a lot of landscape too yeah. and you sit to see a lot of really wide um shots and i mm-hmm. and i think that's like hallmark of, of the coen brothers um, and they also work with Deacons quite often, so I think it's almost more hallmark of, of Deacons letting mm-hmm. him kind of do his thing. Um, and then I think that their casting, 
mm-hmm. is very. I think it's one thing that it's similar to Wes Anderson again. Mm-hmm. He kind of has his people, right? Yeah. Um, and even folks in kind of this B, C roles um, mm-hmm. that really come in and and embody a character that they that really fits into the the story. No one kind of sticks out. Yeah. I'd say maybe the exception in this film is um, his Llewellyn's mother-in-law, um, who I can't, mm-hmm. I can't remember the actress's name, but I can remember her always as like Donnie Darko's teacher, um, yeah. <laughs> or like the principal. Uh-huh. Um, she's she seems to be hamming it up a little bit <laughs> in her in her limited screen time, but other than that, yeah. you know, the uh, the actors do a great job at, at okay. doing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to um, yeah. Anthony's question about I, I think the the thriller piece um, of making a choice to forgo music something that is can be so powerful mm-hmm. um, but can also depending on who's using it be a bit of a crutch depending on you know how it's being used and and you know what's going on in the film um, but to make that choice and let their their cinematography and their characters do the work um, I think really builds the tension in ways to where even in a conversation mm-hmm. like in the gas station scene where ultimately ends in a good way. I mean, as somebody who's seen the film multiple times, I forgot if he actually died or not because it's so yeah. tense and like scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they, they do that in such a good way that when you're watching, um, you're often wanting to, you're, you're very nerved or wanting to turn away and they yeah. do enough to keep you, you in um but not like be too grotesque to, to make you not want to watch the yeah the film but I, I think that's what they they do really good do really well um and not kind of subscribing to any specific genre and kind mm-hmm. of being the best of those different kinds of films gotcha gotcha now if there was a, a movie on our list mm-hmm. you'd want to pit this against mm-hmm. which one would you want to go for so <laughs> i i thought of this and i listened to the original setup mm-hmm. um and the one i'm picking i'm i'm concerned with because the fact that it's on the list to me means there, there is some sort of personal attachment to this film but oh. i i will let that be whatever shade that might feel like it is but okay. uh, um i'm gonna be picking the polar express oh i knew you were gonna pick that <laughs> as soon as you came up with that uh opening i'm like that's the movie he's going for yeah it's <laughs> the one that on the list sticks out to me yeah from a quality standpoint, as I, I enjoy the Polar Express. It's a great movie. It is it is in my holiday film rotation. Yes. Um, I do feel that it is a tad style over substance. Um, I feel like they were really excited to show off this new animation and mm-hmm. um, yeah. and do some weird things. Um, aside from that, I, I find it nearly, in parts, as creepy as No Country for Old Men. Um, <laughs> just... I'm like I. That's on the edge for me. I'm like, okay. do we need to animate it? Let's like fully yeah. animate it, or let's make these oh. real people because it's too yeah. close and it's making it weird for me. Gotcha. Because I know that's Any Tom else. Hanks, but uh, I'm yeah, not, I'm not sure I have what to do about it. It's, yeah. it's CG Tom Hanks with a toothbrush mustache, just yeah. like yeah, fair. There's a really weird, odd musical number on the Express plopped in the middle. You don't like the hot chocolate scene? <laughs> I again enjoy it <laughs> for specific reasons. Well, oh, I was going to say, if you picked any other movie, I feel like you'd have a pretty hefty fight, but, oh man, before before 
when we make a final verdict. Are there any other questions you have, Anthony, um, for Brandon? Yes. Okay. So you've t- you've talked a lot about different pieces of the movie and why it's great. Why do you love this movie? Oh yeah. Well, I love the movie because I I just get sucked into the movie. Um, and every time I watch it, I feel like I'm watching it from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a movie that I, I, it's kind of started making its rounds on TV and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the streaming and stuff we do now, it's not often that I'm like flipping channels. Right. Um, but this is very much like a, a like a hotel movie for me. Mm. Um, or something that if I'm flipping through a, a TV and this is on, like wherever mm-hmm. it is, I'm going to watch 20 minutes. And, and be really happy that I got to see those 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, back to how I, I've watched it. And the first time I watched it, I was all sugar. Mm. Um, and really just, I think his performance as that villain sticks out. And as I watched it a little bit more, um, moving kind of toward Llewellyn and thinking about the movie as a whole and recognize. And then this third or fourth time now that I've watched it in full, yeah. um, I was really like fixed on Tommy Lee Jones's character. Mm-hmm. Um, as being kind of the the driver of the the plot and the story mm-hmm. and what the movie is ultimately focusing on. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely not owning the screen time. Um, mm-hmm. He's not the main focus of the film, but I think mm-hmm. his relationship with what is going on mm-hmm. um, is what I see to be the most, like, central part of the, the message that the film is trying to, yeah. to get at. He almost seemed to me like the reluctant narrator mm-hmm. um, that we keep coming back to him. Like, you know, <clears throat> and he does offer some comedy in this one particular scene, but right after Anton leaves Llewellyn's house, mm-hmm. um, the sheriff and the deputy show up as well. And the milk's out, yeah. you know, and it's like, Oh, it's still, it's sweating. It's still, it's freshly, you know, very reason we should put a call out we're going to put a call out for man who recently drank milk (laughs) yeah he's just so just so level the whole time yeah so Uh fun to watch because you go in because he when he sees it, he's just like oh Mm -hmm. that's frustrating he sits down and his deputy is the perfect opposite of him yeah he's a foil he's a good foil yeah yeah Yeah. he's just like oh oh my god we just missed him (laughs) so i i love uh how they work to, together. Um, but yeah, and I think another reason I love the film though is that I can watch it different ways. Mm-hmm. Right? I can just watch it, throw it on and be like, this is some like Western, like yeah. shoot them up, mm-hmm. watch this crazy villain get scared. And then I can yeah. watch it if I'm looking to get deep and really think about mm-hmm. life and ultimately death and um, <laughs> age and, and things like that. Yeah. The finality um, of life. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. But it's it's a way that I think you can watch it both of those ways and, and you can be pretty superficial about it and still enjoy the movie. I think mm-hmm. the folks who maybe watch a little more superficially are the ones who are frustrated with the ending and things like that, that they yeah. didn't see some big like standoff. Mm-hmm. Um to like as but I, I I like it as a as a full full package and yeah. um yeah, it's just mm-hmm. it's one that I often think of of mm-hmm. Just like, what's a, a really good movie? Like, if someone's asking for me mm-hmm. uh, to recommend them something or something like that, this is mm-hmm. one that I go to probably pretty quickly. Yeah. It's funny that it, you mentioned about the ending because 
again, like I said, I was surprised that they. Oh, oh no! Is it this one? Oh no! And time. I just think to it. I was doing something in my kitchen, and then I didn't hear anything. I'm like, oh, did the movie just like shut off or something? <laughs> I see the credits rolling. I'm like, did I miss something? And so I had to go back and listen. Uh, like, wow, they just ended it like that. <laughs> yeah. It. Well, I was telling again before we called you um, that. I thought that Llewellyn's wife survived. I oh, didn't yeah. think that Anton killed her. I think there's uh, hints. There's hints to uh, that she died. Like I was looking up at IMDb, and Anton's character he always he doesn't like to get blood on him. It's like we see there's yeah. that scene where he shoots the guy in the shower where he closes the curtain, and then yeah. with. Woody Harrelson's character, the blood is dripping under it down. He picks up his shoes, his feet. Yep. So when he's walking out of the house, he like checks his shoes. Yeah. Mm. I think he like, yeah, I noticed he like checks his feet or a wife his feet or something like that. That was my kind of thought that made it seem that he killed her. And ultimately he, he kind of promised Llewellyn that he was going to kill her. Yeah. Um, and that's where and I then, thought that she was kind of just calling him on his bluff, saying, like, the coin, it's not the coin, it's you, like, mm-hmm. just do it. Yeah, um, and with that, I think you're spot on with Llewellyn's character. I think he really embodies hubris. Yeah. Because he believes that he can take on Anton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like Anton says, he gives him the out. He's like, nope. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, and Woody Harrelson is even his, his yeah, Llewellyn's conscious of sorts, right? Yeah. Conscience of uh, popping up on his shoulder and being like, listen, like, you've done enough. Mm-hmm. This guy is you don't want any part of this. what you can imagine. Yeah. Like, it's crazy that you're here right now. Mm-hmm. Take that as a win. Yeah. Right. And and um, I don't want to argue for you, but I love just, like, talking about movies. But, like, <laughs> so when... When um, Lou Ellen and Woody Harrelson's character bond over, or they kind of they talk about both being in Vietnam veterans. I feel like that was a framing of like, and Lou Ellen jokes about what does that make us like buddies now or something like that. But it shows that they almost like they have the same skill set or come from the same cloth of. So if Woody Harrelson's character is saying, "Nah, you gotta, you gotta give this up," then like they're on level playing field. I feel like. I think it was telling that we see Woody Harrelson's character. He's wearing white for all the pretty much. He's wearing a white suit, right? Or am I imagining that? I believe so. Or very like light, like a blue, cream, like a, yeah, something like that. And he has like the whitish grayish hat versus Anton's like dark jeans, maroon jacket, dark hair, everything. Um, he is almost kind of angelic in nature when compared to Anton. Yeah. But they both are working. They're, they're working for the same people, though, right? Ultimately, yeah, yeah. You okay. kind of get the sense that Anton has gone rogue from okay. the original. Because the people plan. that he's with, the beginning, that when the three of them show up with the tracker, yeah, they were, I'm guessing, were also with like the cartel or some yeah. kind. Okay. And then he took it upon himself. To, mm. to to take the rest of the the job. 
Gotcha. Because I briefly thought to myself, like, is he still in the stolen cop car? And do they think that he's one of them? And I was very confused for a hot second. And then I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. The cop <laughs> wouldn't just bring some rando who's like, ah, oh, you must be a police officer. You were in a car. So, you know, but that makes sense. Yeah. And, and speaking of Woody Harrelson being like angelic or the good to Sugar's evil, mm-hmm. um, when they're, I think it's when he's sitting with them, I, I could be wrong when he delivers this this line, but when Sugar, I think, is talking to him, says, if the if the rule you followed brought you to this moment, what use was the rule? Yeah, um, and really kind of framing these questions of like ethics and morality and, and what is what is good, what is not. Yeah. Um, if being good or being ethical means that you're, you know, in front of the gun, mm-hmm. was that your best decision? Yeah. Um, and not in a way that they're advocating for for one or the other, but really just posing. Mm-hmm what I think are really tough questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way that they, in, in great dialogue, like do, doing so yeah. through just great dialogue delivered from a guy who otherwise, um, you wouldn't really put much stake in like, I'm, I'm going to listen to what this guy says. Yeah. But when allowing him to deliver very poignant mm-hmm. lines here and there to be like, that, that yeah. adds so much to the overall mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Now what is, Real quick, I know we're all pretty familiar with what Woody Harrelson's been doing recently, um, along with um, Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. My first thought was, oh, we have Western Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, we know he's... What has Javier, Javier Bardem been up to? He got... I don't remember things off the top of my, Cause my I know, head from him, but I know he, he got, was in Skyfall. Which he played a pretty similar like, caricature ish. villain, <laughs> yeah, in that as well, and did very well at it. Um, it yeah. was almost a like an homage to Shiger uh, in a way, yeah. I felt like, but I feel like he got like really pretty for a couple of movies. Um, after that, he became like this like lead, like dreamy leading man, and then some stuff. He was in like Vicky Cristina Barcelona, oh. um. I was in some things like like that, but I, I don't know that he's had another. He was in E Pray Love. Oh, um, <laughs> so like he was in some like weird movies that like that that did not um, interesting seem to hold the yeah. same like critical acclaim that no yeah. country or and definitely not the same tone of performance. No, um, I don't know that there were. I can't speak for our ladies listening, but mm-hmm. I've not met many that were like that. Anton Chigurh. Yeah, uh, like, I'm, <laughs> that yeah. No one's like, yeah. mm, now that haircut, now that's a manly man right there. Now yeah. that that is, but yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, Anthony, do you have a a ruling of No Country for Old Men versus The Polar Express? <laughs> well, first, I want to say, any other final thoughts you have, Brandon? Yeah. I think for for me, if I were to sum this up, I think the big things being the cinematography mm-hmm. is just outstanding. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the best villains and best weapons mm-hmm. I've ever seen. I don't think we didn't spend much time talking about his weapon, which is a like um, oxygen tank powered like cattle rod that like it's used to like slaughter yeah like um, 
cows. Livestock, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the li- yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it's just the craziest weapon and the best one mm-hmm. for this individual. Yeah. Um, and just stuff like that are things that I think set this apart and are going to be mm-hmm. things I always remember mm-hmm. um, about this movie. Yeah. Um, really, if I... If I'm thinking of who's the what's the biggest takeaway of the movie, all these great themes, all these great things, um, but as someone who just loves movies and and likes watching them, mm-hmm. um, I think it's Anton Chigurh and all things mm-hmm. him and just being terrifying and awful mm-hmm. and wicked and and killing people in kind of cool ways. Um, yeah, <laughs> is is what sticks with me and I think what really throws the movie over the top again mm-hmm. for even the casual viewer to be like this was just an awesome time at the movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I have my ruling. Yes, I have just one more question. This is something I'm curious about. You said in the earlier that there were some just kind of like throwaway lines that Tommy Lee Jones says. Yeah. That you you wrote down. Like, what are some of the lines that really stick out to you? Um, one of them, his deputy asks him, "Well, when they go down into that like." gully where all the the Mm -hmm. dead drug dealers are he said well it's a mess ain't it sheriff he says if it ain't it'll do to the mess gets here um which was just a perfectly i can't deliver these anywhere near how our friend tommy lee did um and they he had something about um that scene as well um and he says if they're seeing what I'm seeing. It certainly made an impression on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's asking about, you know, the folks who, who saw this mm-hmm. happen. Um, to be careful back and forth with his wife, I, I thought found pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, next to my quotes note, though, I did write too many from, from Tommy Lee, but I just <laughs> got uh, tired of, of writing them down. Um, but there's a lot of quick little, little one-liners with him and, um, things that I just I would go back and watch it just for those. I will say, objectively, his opening monologue I think sets the tone for the film so well mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that this is a movie about down home, country, humble, well-to-do people, you know, mm-hmm. who are just living their lives. He's like, you know, all the old sheriffs in the past, and you know. How they didn't even carry guns. You know, it kind of surprises people, but, you know, this one in particular. And the way he talks about these different characters, who we never see. We don't ever hear of them again. Yeah. But he talks about them as if, like, they're his best friend. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, Joe Scarborough, the younger of the Joes, you know, mm-hmm. never carried a gun. And I'm like, so there were two. It's world building like that that I, I can really appreciate. And, like... He sets the story up like, now this arrest that you're seeing here, you know, is something like I've never seen before. And like, perfect way to just set off the movie. There's another, I think we talk about, um, you talked about Woody Harrelson being angelic and stuff like that. I think there is a a looming like idea of, of God in this movie around if like mm-hmm. if there there is one or where he's at. Mm-hmm. Um and like one of the quotes from Prime Lee said, he always figured, I always figured when I got older, God would sort of come into my life somehow. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. 
I don't blame him. If I was him, I would have the same opinion of me that he does. Um, and there's a lot of stuff like that at the end when he talks about um, kind of seeing his dad ride off into the uh, like into the darkness with the, yeah. with the fire, right? Of of questioning that and wondering if it's mm-hmm. is he going off into you know the whatever the the end or the afterlife is, or yeah. if he even believes that that's a, a thing, right? Right. Um, I think there was a lot of that mm-hmm. from him that was, again, just really good. I think he does, a, like you said, kind of as the narrator, mm-hmm. does a great job um, to just really mm-hmm. set the tone of the film. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. Anthony, would you like to go first? Yes. I will say this movie, it... I, again, um, we and we talked about this a little bit. I was not expecting this movie to play out like this. I think the arguments or the points that you talked about that really stood out to me are just Anton Chigurh, Javier Bardem's character, both in how he represents kind of death in this or punitive justice. And that just the interesting ways in which he goes about it. Mm-hmm. And then some of your breakdowns of the quotes from Tommy Lee Jones sold this for me. So I will say, yep, thumbs up. Deserves a spot on the top For five. me, I, I had the thought while watching the film, before I'd even heard your arguments, that like, now I also have to put a caveat on this. Um, I had a very busy day today. And um, the day they were recording this was the day that I also watched the film, so it's very fresh in my mind. <laughs> and I had to watch it at 1.5 speed. Um, so some of Tommy Lee's lines didn't have, I think, the same level of gravitas yeah. um, that I would get otherwise. Um, so I was able to finish the movie real quick, uh, <laughs> watch the whole thing. But there was not a moment where I... Every time, even if I like had to go up to go to the bathroom, or went to go like get myself a drink, like I had to pause the movie because I didn't want to miss a single moment of it. Um, the the movie definitely sucked me in. Um, I say a lot on our other podcast, Double Cinema Cast. I, I mention how some movies are just pretty. There are pretty films that if you took a sh- like a frame from that movie, put it on the wall be perfect and the one that stood out to me is the one where we have anton when he's right after lou wellens left the motel he goes into mm-hmm. the same room where all the, the other i'm guessing cartel guys are yeah and he kills them and he sits down on the the corner of the bed with the shotgun in his hand and the lighting from the lamp that's on the ground from the and the backlighting from the bathroom i was just like i paused it and just like <laughs> stared at that for like 10 seconds i'm just like this is gorgeous um and your arguments about anton being deaf and tommy and just like the symbolism of how of tommy lee and aging and just how life passes you by or how life can change so rapidly um and just the timelessness of this film and the story um we joke that we have a, a star wars quota on our podcast and we have yet to bring it up. Um, but I think that in the same way that you could take the story of star Wars and pop it anywhere, yeah. take it out of space, put it in the old West. 
it works. You put it in, you know, medieval times, it works. I think the same way. Like I can see No Country for Old Men being set in the far future in kind of a Blade Runner-esque, yeah. you know, setting to even like, you know, who knows, you know, biblical times, and this story would work. Um, I don't know if we'll have the same level of um, ingenuity of weaponry <laughs> yeah. if we go to biblical times with Anton, but but you could put this story anywhere, and it's it's compelling, it's riveting, and when compared to the Polar Express, it's a big thumbs up. This movie <laughs> makes the list. So yeah, well, glad to have been successful on the first episode. Yeah, um, I, I do feel a little. Like I picked the the low hanging fruit. Hey, but why would you not? It, fair, yeah. it's fair. I think now we have a pretty <laughs> strategic. Solid, well, yeah, it's a pretty solid list. Now we will have um, the Graduate, the Grand Budapest Hotel, Jurassic Park, Alien, and No Country for Old Men. It's a pretty pretty hefty group there. <laughs> so, but yeah, but thank you very much for coming on and joining us. Absolutely, thank you for um, having me. Yeah. Anytime. Um, yes, and if you have another movie that you would like to pitch to make the list, yeah. we would love to have you on again. You yeah. might not get the same results. You might not get both yeah. of us. Get yeah. Well, now, now that I've, I've come, I was very, very focused on wanting to be successful. Okay. With this, with this film. Yeah. Um, so now I feel like I'll be much more comfortable coming mm-hmm. in and pitching maybe a slight okay. guilty pleasure. Okay. Um, hey, we're open to that. <laughs> yeah, we're here yeah. for guilty pleasures. I mean, you work. We we have all worked with Javanto, yes, and he had been on our podcast previously on Double Cinema Cast, and his guilty pleasure is the proposal. So I mean, I listened to that episode. It's it a good, good one. one. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's, I still think about that film every now and then. I'm just like how insane that movie is. Yeah, but, you know. But thank you very much. I can't again. believe it didn't make the list. I know. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that we. <laughs> it was it was that Alien or the Proposal, and we were like, you know. Ridley Scott is a genius, but also the proposal. Right. right. And, uh, but yeah. That's why I'm happy to let you all do the hard work. Well, well, thank you. <laughs> well, again, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, this has been the first episode of Prove Your Movie. Nice. <laughs>